Tonight is episode 40. And on the show, I have a chance to chat with Dave Thomas from Stance is Everything. From random celebrations of deck kits for Fox bodies being Canadian, to the truth about Mazda Speed 3 torque steer, the definition of Stance, what Stance is Everything is and isn't, and great discussion about automotive photography. Dave is a wealth of automotive knowledge, and Dave is also the epitome of calm and collected. And his commitment to celebrating what automotive enthusiasm represents through his very own and very unique perspective is what this love for cars is all about. I hope that some of Dave's passion and love for cars rubs off on all of you listening, as I think we'll all be better off for it. I'm your host, Trevor Byrne, and this is the Bucket Seat Podcast. Okay, so all right, here we are. Um, it's episode 40 of the Bucket Seat Podcast. I'm very lucky to have Dave Thomas from Stances Everything here with me tonight on the show. So Dave, thanks so much for making it in tonight and doing this with me. Yeah, thanks. No problem. Um, thanks for having me out. Um, okay, so I'm slightly bummed that I'm not the first podcast that you've been on. Uh, but on the other hand, I'm pumped that you've done one of these now. And with that in mind, everyone should definitely listen to episode 52 of the Our Lifestyle podcast with Dave. Um, you can find it on iTunes and Stitcher. And um, you know, if you just Google it, you'll find them. The guys are awesome, hilarious. Um, they get a bit more technical and they're really into the, it's a, it's a, it's a mini truck kind of episode, right? Yep. Um, and so we're gonna try to keep the duplication to a minimum on this episode with you. But um, if anybody's been listening before, they know we run a bit different of a format. So, all right, so Dave, um, you're the founder, owner, and primary contributor to Stance is Everything which in short is a brand dedicated to celebrating and documenting some of the coolest cars and trucks on the web. So was that about right? Yeah, that's uh, pretty much nailed it. Probably better than I could have described it. <laughs> um, I, I definitely became familiar with Stances Everything. Um, it was probably a couple years ago and it was through your Instagram account um, and I couldn't help but um, immediately become attracted to all the photography and that and that brought me to your um, to your website. And so I know that both um, website, uh, so your stance, is it stanceseverything.com? Yep, stanceseverything.com. Stanceseverything.com, um, the same, so your stance is everything is your handle on Instagram. It's actually stanceseverything.com. Someone, ah. Someone's squatting on stances everything. I okay. can't get it. So. <laughs> cool. Um, and then also um, you have a Facebook page as well. Yep, Facebook page is stances everything. And then I have a Twitter that is perfect stance. Um, it was super popular before Instagram came along and now mm. I just kind of feed other things into it. Right. Um, just cause it's, it's a lot to do all of them. Yeah, that's fair. I know. I've realized that so much. I've consolidated everything to Facebook and Instagram, my website, basically I do nothing on anymore. I used to yeah. write a bit on it, but, uh, anyways, we'll get to all the places that you can find Dave and stances, everything at the end of the show too. So stay tuned for that. Um, in the meantime, okay. So on we go, um, as I like to do with all of my guests, we're going to start where it all started at the beginning. So in the beginning, um, so Dave, what was the, what was it that got you into cars? What was it that inspired or hooked you? Um, I would say the first thing that got me into cars was definitely, uh, 
my dad just brought home a model kit one day. Um, I mean, you're you're a dad. Uh, I'm a father, and sometimes you just don't know what to do with kids. Yeah. And uh, my dad just handed me a model kit, and he's like, kind of put this together. And I think we built the first one together. It was a it was a NASCAR of some sort, which is really weird because I don't watch any NASCAR today. But <laughs> yeah. I remember that model kit very specifically. Um, I remember putting the stickers on the side, and um, that got me kind of hooked. And then from there. My dad got me lots of remote control cars and uh, I was kind of into toy cars for the longest time. And then I was lucky enough that, um, I don't know, have you heard of Hot Rod Scott's? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah so um, that's a muffler shop uh, for those who might not know that. I think it's also called Toronto Muffler and Brake. Yeah, Jover um, was talking about them when he was on with Devo. Yeah, they're super close to performance improvement. Okay. Um, so anyway, the, the owners lived on my street uh, and they would always drive by with... Um, just like super loud trucks all the time <laughs> and uh, i would hear them and i'd be like oh man that's that's super cool um and i lived i grew up in streetsville in mississauga okay and uh so around my street there was those guys who lived on my street so uh scott and his son Corey, um and then kind of a couple houses down there was a white i rock uh i'm gonna get really specific on stuff i remember yeah uh, there's a white i rock with um I think they're called super trap mufflers or triple trap mufflers. The ones with the plates on it so you can change the sound. Okay, yeah. Uh, and you had a Viper alarm system with the whole protected by Viper stand back <laughs> yeah. thing. Uh, and then there was a house with a DA Integra and a Civic EF. Nice. Um, and as you can tell, like, there's just a lot of different cars, like, right around the corner from me. Yeah. And I see them drive around and hear them. And I was just like, oh, man, I have to, when I get a car, like, it can't be stock, my first car. So that kind of got me hooked. <laughs> Um, and the first thing that got me into low cars and we can kind of relate here is like, I saw a truck drive by that was really low. It was an S10 and it was super uncommon for like an S10 to be that low. Yeah. Yeah. So that got me into, to trucks. Um, so I just knew when I got my first car that I was going to, I was going to modify it. Um, okay. So with that, then the first car that you owned, uh, so this, the, the, the next question is the first car you purchased. So, uh, because I know that sometimes that can be different in terms of, um, you know, you may have been, you know, car has been passed down or something like that. I know my first was my parents gave me this totally busted uh, Dodge Shadow. Mm. <laughs> um, and so that was the first car that I owned uh, versus the first car I purchased. So it was the first car that you owned. The first car that I owned uh, was actually a 1985 BMW 325e. So oh. an E30. Nice. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah, it was a pretty, pretty good first car. That's um, an awesome first car. Which uh, it was my uncle's car um, in Atlanta. And it was sitting in his garage forever. And one day my dad just came home and he's like, oh, your uncle wants to give you his car. And I was like, okay, cool. Which what? uncle? And he's like, Uncle Hubert. And I'm like, he's in Atlanta. And he's like, yep, but it's going to be your first car. Uh, he's just like, you just got to pay to get it here. Um, so I paid shipping on it, which ended up being like $1,200 or so. Yeah. Um, but for a rust-free E30 was like unheard of. That's crazy. Um, yeah. I mean, Atlanta. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was completely rust-free. The paint was shot on it. Uh, the interior was kind of beat up. Um, but it ran, um, we got it here. My dad and I did a couple of maintenance things to it. Um, I was in an auto shop in high school at the time, so it wasn't a big deal to get it road ready. Yep. Um, you'll probably laugh, but I had the stereo purchased for it like months before it arrived. It was in my closet. <laughs> um, I knew a couple of the first mods that I wanted to do when it arrived. Uh, my auto teacher was super cool. Um, I don't know if you would know this, but, uh, he was really big in the kit cars. Um, so we actually built a Lamborghini Countach out of a Fiero. I was just going to say it had to have been a Fiero. Uh, yeah. right. um, and he sold it on eBay. This must have been like, I'm going to say like 2001 maybe. Mm -hmm. Sold it on eBay for a decent amount. And then he went on to build more <laughs> kit love cars. The Countach. <laughs> um, yeah, he went out to build more kit cars. Um, and he built his last one that I've 
kept in touch with him anyway was a Diablo um, that he built on a chassis that he made with the BMW V12. What? And he made it look like like a Lamborghini. Like he went oh pretty deep with it. But um, anyway, I fixed it up in Auto Shop. That was <laughs> my first car. Crazy. Um, I feel like we could talk about that guy for a long time too. <laughs> yeah, his, uh, he was a really he was a really big influence on me. He let us do whatever we wanted. That's um, so cool. Just to try and keep people into cars. Um, so we, uh, this is going to go on for the tangent, but it loops around to the stand. That's all right. Yeah. Um, we got a couple of cars donated to us from, uh, Honda and Geo. Okay. And they both fell off trains, but they weren't like damaged too badly. They just had a couple of dents on them. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they rolled into auto shop and the first thing we did was take the springs right out. Um, (laughs) and we couldn't drive them on the road because the VINs were marked somehow. So we just drove them literally like. In circles around the high school with no springs on them. We thought they were the coolest <laughs> things ever. Um, so anyway, uh, that was my first car. It was an E30. Oh man, that's crazy. Yeah, super cool. Uh, uh, manual. Yeah, uh, it was a five-speed. So no I didn't way. know how to drive stick. Obviously, um, I learned on an automatic Altima, like a '97. Okay. Um, my dad taught me, which, uh, if you've learned to drive stick from your dad, it's not the best way to learn, but eventually once <laughs> I could, a little frustrating. once I could kind of get it going, um, I was like, dad, just let me drive it. And he, he let me drive around my neighborhood with my G1. And he's just like, just go learn. Nice. Uh, he gave me kind of intersection boundaries, uh, like the advanced version of streetlights, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he said, don't go past that. So I learned that way. Um, and another funny story. I had a friend in high school um, who uh, she got a, a manual car um, and she didn't want to drive it just sat in her driveway and i was like you know trying to impress the girls with your first car i'm like yeah let me take you out in my car <laughs> and i stalled it making a left turn and uh <laughs> the next week she took that car back and got an automatic car no. so i probably ruined automatic <laughs> or stick cars for her but uh, it is what it is oh man yeah i mean i learned um i learned to drive stick on a jeep tj which I mean was like driving a tractor, but I, you know, this speaks to where I grew up. I'd learned how to drive stick on a tractor, yeah. <laughs> which was uh, an easy transition to get into the, into the TJ, but I can completely relate with the frustrating experience of learning how to drive with one of your parents. And um, I think my sister had a v- similar, I think, experience to what you just explained because she went out, tried to learn, wasn't super happy with it. Went on a date with one of her, uh, well, with a boyfriend at the time, and he was an awful driver and yeah. totally scared the shit out of her by driving a manual car, and she never wanted to do it again. So anyways, it made yeah. it really easy for me to be able to take that car out later on in life instead of her taking it out. So there was a, a good and a bad to that. Okay, so uh, that was the first car you owned, first car you purchased yourself. The first car I purchased myself is going to sound super not exciting after an E30, <laughs> uh, but this comes from the truck thing. So it was a 91 Blazer. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I'm totally down with that. Two-door, yeah. rear-wheel drive. Um, I wanted to bag it. Um, it was a Canadian car, so it was rotten. Yeah. Uh, it was my yeah. first experience with like a rotten car compared to a pristine Atlanta car. And uh, mm-hmm. that project went pretty poorly. Um, and it's pretty much what led it sort of into stances everything. Um, so that car got stolen once outright. Uh, and then they recovered it. Um, like it got stolen on a Friday. They recovered it on a Monday. Um, and they just said that's where they drop off cars to get stolen from Kipling Station. Oh. Um, and I asked the cops. I was like, why don't you do something like monitor it? And they didn't really seem to care. Um, so <laughs> like it just happens. Yeah, it just happened. So then I got an alarm put in that. And then yep. um, I did a couple things to it. I spent a bunch of money on it basically in a year. For it to get broken into again at a different go station um and at that point uh, i had had a stereo in it and they just did such a bad job taking my stereo out right that they ruined so much of it oh yeah and then while it was in pound uh a cat got in it 
and like peed in it. So I was oh, like, this is, uh, no. I was like, yeah, I was like, and this you can't is ever get that smell out. No, no. Uh, so that was done. Um, so basically, uh, that was the first car that I purchased. Um, and then just, what color was it? It was black, nice. um, black tinted, uh, gunmetal IROX. It was like, you know, typical blazer of that era kind of thing. Um, there's a website. I think he still runs it. It was like mod for life. Um, I think that's what it was called or no, it was mad whips. Uh, and he took some pictures of it at a at a coin op one day, and they're probably the best pictures of it that exist out there. Um, because right. it, it was like the only time that it looked good, and like nothing bad had happened to it. Um, but yeah, it wasn't a great time with that truck. Well, when I post this up on the Facebook page, you'll have to uh, you'll have to attach a photo if you can find it or send a link for it. No, I definitely have photos of all all the cars that I've owned, um, like most car guys <laughs> do. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's actually funny. Um, the the friend who suggested that I be on this Chijo. Uh, he had a two-door E30 as his first car, um, and they were the same color. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we both rode BMX, and it was just like, it, it's just a lot of similarities between the two of us. But yeah, we both uh, we both had E30s first. <laughs> it's such a crazy car to have as your first car. I mean, especially now. Then, I mean, they were cool, but they certainly didn't have the cool factor that they have now as yeah. well. And I mean, now everybody's kicking themselves like, shit, I wish I, I mean, I had a, I had a one-owner, completely unmolested uh s13 240 sx oh yeah that i just you know i restored back to the same factory paint color i you know it had uh, nissan motorsports suspension um before nismo existed yeah and i didn't there was no motor swap done uh, you know everything about it stayed just as it should have yeah and i sold it went just kind of at the just as things started to really start to ramp up on S13s and I'm kicking myself every day for it. The guy who got it ended up wrapping it around a tree anyway, oh, writing it nice. off. But um, Okay, so we were talking about kind of this nostalgia of that era, especially with your Blazer. So what was the cool car that everyone wanted to have when you are in high school? Uh, probably Fox Body Mustangs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, they were... Very much the same as my, my high school. Yeah. yeah, there was a couple in my high school and they were definitely like... Fox body Mustang and uh, like a Magnaflow exhaust. Like oh, I could pick out that exhaust note uh, anywhere. And there's a lot of dudes who had them. And I remember one guy, he had a red one. Actually, the principal of my, one of my schools had one, uh, which is random. But then in high school, that w- it was a little bit more affordable. Like he had one when it was brand new. Yeah. Um, they're a little bit more affordable for high school kids. And uh, this guy did a wicked burnout in front of our school in one. <laughs> and uh, he was just like a, a mortal from that point on. Like yeah. it was so good. Um, <laughs> or so good. I remember it being really good. It might not have been actually that awesome, but it was pretty cool. The memory is amazing. Yeah. We had a yeah. bunch of random cars in my high school, actually. Um, one other one that sticks out was a four-wheel steer prelude. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I remember those. Yeah. So it was pretty low. Um, weird purple paint. And uh, was it kind of a silvery purple? Yeah. Yeah. Silvery yeah. purple. And he had wheels from something else on it, like a Volkswagen, because they're both five by 100. But it was the first time I'd seen someone take OEM wheels from one car and put it on another car. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why it kind of sticks out. That's so funny. I think um, another guy, I don't know, in the whole circle. So he's uh, he's now kind of the runs part of the carbon department up at Multimatic. Michael Gooch, another dude from the bike community and world that I know Chijo had, had yeah. you know, spent a lot of time uh, riding with. Anyway, so he had one of those preludes. And I can't remember what it, what that system was called, their four-wheel steering system. 
Um, it's got an acronym, of course, I can't remember. But anyway, so yeah. yeah, those were always so weird. And when somebody told me there was four-wheel steering, I definitely did not believe them until I did some research and was like, holy shit. Yeah, and they didn't turn a ton, but, no, but a little bit. Yeah, enough to rotate it. Um, three, 300ZX has had a similar system too. Yeah, And I guess S chassis did too, like the Hikus system, yeah. I think it was yeah, called. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Because yeah. um, a guy in my high school, uh, I think he was a drug dealer. He got a 300ZX. Um, he brought it into auto shop. Uh, I think we replaced the clutch on it mm -hmm. and then like three weeks later it was around the pole and I was just like, oh, oh that sucks. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I only, I mean, I always remember the 300 ZX uh, as being a bit of a <laughs> unicorn on its own. But then when I found out that there were actually turbo versions of that 300 ZX, that was what totally blew my mind. Yeah. And then of course the Supra, I never saw, I don't think I saw a Supra until I was in my mid twenties, uh, like a, an actual, uh, uh, super turbo but um yeah. yeah 300zx anything else of note uh from my high school yeah um the 300zx uh cory from hot rod scotts had a, a white s10 i think it was a small block swapped uh actually um there's a guy he didn't i don't think he went to our high school but he was around <laughs> and he was, uh, he was also probably a drug dealer yeah. <laughs> yeah so he had a primer ranger that was bagged and it was one of the first bags that i'd ever seen bagged cars that i'd ever seen um, or like mini trucks um, mm -hmm. and like super fast. Like it, it was not a, a nice riding car. But then he also had an Escort. I'm going to say second gen Escort gray with nitrous in it. No way. Which made no sense. Yeah. Like it was just the weirdest thing ever. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he had that. And that was a really weird car. And then there's another guy who had one of those, uh, I think the Suzuki Swift Turbo. Mm -hmm. um, super rotten, quick for the day. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that was kind of it. And then you had a bunch of people who had like, you know, their parents bought them crazy new stuff, but I wasn't really like, they did, they, they didn't interest me at all. Yeah. Uh, there's one guy with an Astro with a speaker wall in the back and he would just drive around and like shake the portables all the time. That's awesome. Uh, and I remember he was like, he's like, yeah, I put, uh, he's like, I put newspaper in my door so they wouldn't rattle. And I was like, that is not a good idea. Um, I'm like, if you want those doors to last the winter, you should probably take that newspaper out. Yeah. Um, but yeah that's hilarious i mean i was so into the whole idea of stereos so i what we were saying before i started recording the so the s10 extreme was yep. what started me into it which was one of the pizza delivery guys the other pizza joint in town the only other pizza joint in town the delivery guy had a five liter a blue five liter yeah. mustang so the fox body um and then what kind of the first access i ever had to a cool car was one of my friends and he had his his parents bought him like a um, a Grand Am or something. And the first thing that we did, we didn't care about the car. Yeah. It was how do we put a cool stereo in this? And so we rip out the the spare tire and we turn the wheel well into an actual speaker well and oh, cool. uh, like properly built it all out. And the, it was so ridiculous. He spent all of his money on the stereo and this thing he would slowly roll around and just rattled windows out of everything but that yeah. uh, that to me at the time was the coolest thing ever and it wasn't so much about the cars and then eventually i just moved away further and further and further from the stereo thing and i was like no no it's it's really the cars that i'm into i realized that <laughs> yeah like each car that i've got the number of subs has decreased um <laughs> and like the size of them like now i just have like a small 10 in my car and it's like this is enough um but yeah the, like in high school it's like no it's got to be really loud yeah um Odd question for you, but you know, like we both Fox bodies. Uh, did you know that you remember deck kits, right? Yeah. Yeah. Did you know that was a Canadian company? No. Yeah. So, really? um, like 
totally Canadian Canadian run. Uh, That's crazy. Yeah, uh, I found that out through the guys at Performance Improvements. They're like, yeah, did you know? And he was like in like Scarborough or something. No um, shit. So yeah, he was like the Canadian like Celine tuning, and it was a really localized thing. Because and I only found that out because I would post like deck kitted stuff on stances, everything. And people yeah. were like, what kid is that? And I'm like, what do you mean? What kid is that? That was on like every Fox body. Yeah, it that really was. No, it totally um, was. But yeah, that was it. And I remember the the little decal always on everything, which totally, yeah, you know, it sticks totally in my mind. Totally Canadian. So after wow. this, go look it up and I'll send you some stuff. I want to do an, an editorial on it. Yeah. Just because like, it's so random. Um, was it, do you know, was it any further spread? Like, or was it just regionalized with um, us here in Canada? Americans do want the kit because it's rare for them. Okay. And there, he made a bunch of crazy suspension parts. Like he did a bunch of performance hmm. stuff that is sought after, but it's kind of regional yeah. in the States. So like Detroit and like closer States know about it. But then the farther you go, they're like, just like, what is that? Yeah. What the hell is that? Yeah. Um, yeah. Huh. That's crazy. Oh, that's a nice, did you know moment? Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So what's your, what's your daily driver or what did you, what did you drive here today? 2009 Mazda Speed 3. 2009 Mazda Speed 3. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. And so I came from, I had a WRX until six, eight months ago when I got rid of the WRX because my son's daycare is an arm and a leg. Yeah. And so we're down to the XV. But so uh, I remember before I started working on the Subaru business, it came down to, you know, three or four different choices. And so Mazda Speed 3 was absolutely one of them because I also, I wanted a wagon or a five-door hatch or whatever you want yep. to call it. Um, and it just so happened that I ended up going the WRX route. It was like Mazda Speed 3, WRX, or it was still, well, it was in that in the last few years of production, the uh, Lancer Evo. Okay, yeah. Um, and the Evo, I, the reason I didn't get it was because it just ended up being so expensive. Yeah. WRX was, you know, and the Mazda Speed 3 were very similar in price. Um, and so what have you, like, how have you found it? You'd love it, hate it. Is it, um, has it made you happy? <laughs> I like it. Um, yeah. it's my second, uh, three of that generation. Right. Uh, I had an NA 2.3 before that, that got rear-ended. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and then, yeah, I was looking for another vehicle and, um, I knew that like I was having a kid, like Ash was on the way. Uh, that's my son. And, mm-hmm. uh, I knew I needed like a five door, uh, car and I was looking at Audi A3s, but mm-hmm. you can't get an Audi A3 all-wheel drive and manual no um and just i was that like front track yeah so then i was like well if i'm gonna do this i might as well just get a mazda because i had some parts kicking around i had my suspension still right i got it i love it um it currently has the smoking turbo problem that a lot of them get i'm not sure if you're familiar with it but basically oil leaks past the seals at idle mm. um so i can't go to like drive-thrus or anything without smoking everything everybody out no shit um <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, it still it still drives fine, pulls fine. But with that issue, it's kind of like, do I put the stock turbo back into it or do I go big turbo? Um, and then that's kind of not what I wanted from a daily driver as far as because uh, I have a project that I'm sure we'll get into later. Yeah. So I'm not really sure what I'm going to do with it right now. Um, you know, it's 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 on air ride. Um, I had some. Oh, no way. Well, yeah, because my last three was on air ride and they just share the same suspension. So it was really easy to just swap that over. Um, and I had I have some you know wheels for it and whatever but i'm as it's becoming more of a daily driver i'm kind of switching it to be a little bit more conservative because i want my tires to last and i drive a ton so (laughs) um but yeah you know it's 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 i kept it stock for a reason yeah um and now my uh resolve i guess is being tested with the turbo situation (laughs) 
Um, yeah, that, that can be pretty uh, annoying. I mean, the only thing, like the first thing everybody always says when you hear mass speed three is, is torque steer. I, I've, I've never driven one. Is it really, is it really bad? Is it that bad that everybody not, has to always bag on it? It's honestly not as bad as, uh, it's made out to be. Right. Um, like I, so when I test drove a couple of them, I was expecting it to like rip my hands out and maybe because I was waiting for it. Yeah. Uh, I didn't experience it, but um, so after my car got wrecked and I bought this car, uh, my wife helped me pick this car up, obviously. Um, and then I think we, we returned our rental. So she had driven it from our place to the rental place. Uh, and I told her about it and I was like, watch out for the torque steer. And then, so we got to the rental place and I'm like, okay, let's switch seats. And she's like, no. Um, and she loved it. She loves driving that car. Oh, that's um, awesome. And, uh, it, it hasn't really jumped out on her too much in the drive. Uh, she's had a couple of times where she's come home like in the wet and she's like oh the car was like pulling into the into the ditch and i was like well that's the torque steer." and she's like oh that's what that was but right. it's not like if you're ready for it it's not too bad yeah yeah interesting and i'm sure that there's there's got to be aftermarket solutions that yeah. help to like mitigate that a bit too you can mitigate it a bit but like the more power the more it happens so maybe because mine's stock it's not crazy maybe you modify it more right but like i read the same reviews you did where people were like oh it's crazy it's not that bad yeah no i think yeah everybody really really goes crazy on it it's like recently the most relatable um internet rant that i think people have gone on is that focus rs problem yeah. that they're running into the head gaskets coming from some of the mustang builds that went into the wrong part of the production line and now these rs's oils seeping through in the gaskets and anyways so uh it sounds like it's a pretty easy problem to fix and it only affected a certain number of cars but yeah the internet really gets a hold of things and rips yeah, them apart just go they? crazy about it <laughs> um one thing though that the internet has got a hold of that is kind of legit is um mazes like to rust mine isn't too bad mm. the speeds for whatever reason don't rust as bad i don't know if they use different metal or if they're just better taking it better care of hmm. but it is something if you're looking for a speed like definitely keep an eye on it yeah um, especially if you don't want the smiley generation um, mine is the last one before that um, you just got to look out for rust gotcha yeah so speaking of the internet getting a hold of things stance is everything mm-hmm. so um so stance is everything.com is kind of where you find a, a lot of what's going on and what you've started um so there's a lot of misconception around the term stance. And so before going further, um, what is stance is everything like to you? What does it mean? How, how do you describe it? Because um, anyways, I'll let you describe it because I think there are a few things that had happened and timing was one of them. Yeah. So um, stance is everything. Uh, well, first it was, you know, when you think of a catchy name, probably like the bucket seat, you're like, oh, no, this is it. Um, so for me, I was like stance is everything. Um, it was actually Fat Lace ran a site called hella flush yeah and yeah. offset is everything was like the the subtitle and i read that and i was like uh but offset doesn't really work without the right stance and so stance to me has always been like the right ride height for your application mm-hmm. um and your application can be whatever and i've always been a big uh proponent of a car's purpose is defined by its owner yeah uh, not by you know whoever built it because ultimately once you buy it you pay for it you can do whatever you want to it not everyone's gonna like it not everyone has to but yeah. That's kind of what it is. Um, so for me, it's always been how a car is, is sits. Um, at the time that I started it, which was 2009 and like the blog boom, essentially, um, Stanceworks and Stance Nation came out. Um, Stanceworks now is also another site that isn't really uh, solely focused on like camber stretch and stuff. They yeah. do a lot of off-road stuff. I don't yeah. know if you follow them. I do, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, he's like Mike and uh, I think Andrew who run it, they've gone kind of, 
completely left in some degrees to what they're covering. Um, whereas Stance Nation has been really focused on what a lot of people associate Stance with, which is uh, lots of camber, uh, super low ride heights, static suspension. Um, I've been kind of still keeping to my thing that like Stance is really just how a car sits. And so that's how I end up covering like low riders, uh, mini trucks. I've posted lifted stuff every now and again, uh, race cars, um, like, you know, functional fitment, functional stance is, is super cool, uh, in, in, in sort of the right application. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, yeah, super cool in the right application. And I mean, that's how I know a lot of the guys in the scene that I know now is because they were like, oh, your site's called stances, everything, but you posted this random car, you took photos of my, my race car. And I'm like, yeah, to me, stance encompasses a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've always just tried to keep it, um, like a loose definition. Um, definitely there's been times where I'm like, should I just rename it? Because <laughs> if I go to some events or call some people up and I'm like, all right, for stance is everything. They're like, oh no, we don't really, we're not interested in what we you're don't selling do kind of deal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and definitely I've had times where I've been to SEMA a couple of times and, uh, when there was a lot of stance blocks, it's like, oh, I'm from this site. And they're like, didn't we already meet you? And it's like, no, <laughs> but I have an unfortunate name, um, which has kind of been, I've been doing a lot of freelance stuff sort of under my own personal name now, mm. uh, just because it's been a little bit easier. Um, but I definitely like my stance is everything is still my domain to post whatever I want, whenever I want. Uh, and, um, there's definitely, I don't know if you've read a lot of it. There's been some stuff that I've written that other, other magazines and publications wouldn't touch. And because stance is everything is mine, it gives me the opportunity to, to still do that. Yeah. I love that. I mean, I think it's important to note too that, uh, and I kind of said at the very, very beginning, but I mean, you are the primary contributor to stances everything too so it's yep. it's your baby and you know you're the boss you're yeah. the editor you're the editor-in-chief um and uh and you can do kind of whatever you want that's i mean I, this is what i love about the bucket seat is there's nobody telling me what i can and can't do either it's just yeah we do what we want to do and so um and so with that i mean there are some other people i think that are in, that you have involved yep. in certain ways with um stances everything so who um, and how are people are, are people also getting involved in what's going on with Stances Everything? Um, so, yeah, for the longest time, Stances Everything was pretty much just myself. And then occasionally, like if I was there was two events or I couldn't get to something, I'd ask someone to help out. Um, and then, you know, my son came along and I was like, I can't make half of these events. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so two guys who stepped up is uh, Drake Nolte and Chris Johnston. Uh, they're two really awesome photographers um, and they'll shoot features for me. Um, they shot uh, the World War Z Camaro was Drake and myself. Um, that's such a crazy car. Yeah, it is a wild car. Uh, My actually, son loves that car. <laughs> oh, really? That's, yeah. that's pretty awesome. It yeah. was actually, uh, he got, Drake got the ride in it first on the way to one of our photo shoot locations. And then like, usually I don't let, um, a lot of people drive my car, but I'm like, Drake, you got to drive my car. Cause I need, I need to drive in like with, uh, Miro and this Camaro. Yeah. Um, so those two guys have helped me about quite a bit, um, with photography. They're also, uh, uh two photographers that I, I look up to quite a bit. Um, because they're both, uh, they've got unique eyes and, um, they're again, like two hobbyists, but they're both really good. Well, that's awesome. Um, so you said, uh, it was 2009 when you got everything started? 2009. Yeah. When I started out. I have a feeling that, I mean, I don't know. I have a feeling that the whole naming convention thing and the idea of stance and the way that it's referred to, and it's not just, you know, it's not just what everybody all the internet memes basically are made out to be. Yeah. Um, when you when you say just the word stance, I feel like it'll get past that because what you started stance is everything for without 
trying to be too poetic about it though is is truly what stance is all about i mean stance yep. is whatever the owner defines it as yeah and if you want a stance that's slammed and major camber then that's cool that's that stance but perfect fitment or something like you know on your on your site i mean you go from praising you know an rwb yep. to uh, a mini truck to a race car and so you know it really runs the gamut and i think that i think that it'll eventually come back because it's just that universal description of what it, it means to have fitment and what fitment means to the owner so i don't know i think yeah. i think it's still you know probably I, a pretty positive future for it i hope it'll come back i mean who knows where it goes i try not to get too hung up on it yeah now, no. i've got like my 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 audience that's uh and it's a know, good audience i mean yeah. you've got like 40 plus thousand followers um, on instagram more than that uh i got eleven thousand on instagram and 46 ish or on facebook right okay sorry um, yeah and then i got a lot of loyal readers who have been reading the site for years which i i got to say thanks for um but yeah just like i don't know if you watch any of the car shows that are on tv or whatever yeah um and uh, a lot of times there'll be segments where like you know that commercial break they'll be talking about the stance and how that's so important to the build and it's it's, it's totally true yeah like whatever you're building stance is is super important so important i mean for me uh number one priority really really like you know it it, it sits on the fence between sound and stance yeah those are the two things that i constantly try to figure out like if i'm going to spend money on if i'm going to spend a thousand dollars on something or two thousand dollars on something just a ton of money am i going to go to make it sound great or am i going to make it look great and how do i decide which to spend on first so yeah i know that that's like a common battle that everybody kind of fights with too i know most people will say do the suspension first and the brakes first, but it all depends on what the application is too. It's like, yeah, what are you going to sure. use the vehicle for? So, yeah. Um, okay. So um, before we go uh, any further on that too. Um, so from a photography standpoint, you are, you, you are, um, you know, primarily the photographer that is, that, that um, um, what are we trying to say? You're the photographer for the site and you're the one who's posting all the pictures from your own shoots. Now, the other really interesting part of that and and major kudos to you on it is that you're also the writer yep. um, for all the editorial and all of the articles and it's super well written. I, I have Thanks. to admit, I mean, you have a very particular style and as you, um, you articulate yourself extremely well and I think it's really flattering for the cars that you see and also the owners or the builders or, or whomever has had, had work on that project. So um, it, it's it's interesting for me to see you're like the one man show. I mean, with the help of the contributors as well, of course, but yeah. the the one man show, I mean, it must be really gratifying for you. So with, with that in mind, I mean, what are some of the most fulfilling elements of running stances, everything for you? Um, I mean, it, seeing an article do really well is, is always awesome. I get a lot of kudos for it. Uh, and especially when it's, uh, like it was a friend's vehicle or a friend's, uh, project. Um, so to go back to sort of World War Z, like Pat and I have been friends for, for a long time. Um, we actually, we raced BMX together and road trails like oh, years no ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if a lot of people know that Pat, like he was, he was a pretty good BMX rider. Um, I had no clue. Yeah. And we're talking um, about Pat Sear. Pat Sear. Yeah. yeah Pat Sear. So, um, and for those listening, that's serious garage works and Pat Sear being Pat Sear. Yeah. Um, so, uh, that Camaro did, that's probably my most popular feature. Um, and, and it was kind of one of those things where he's like, the owner wanted me to shoot it. Pat wanted me to shoot it. Uh, I shot Pat's eye on like years ago when it was green. 
Um, and uh, I wanted to do a really good job of it. And so that's where a lot of uh, it's just like a passion for what I'm writing about and what I'm shooting. Um, and so it's been that's that's been really, really cool just seeing that stuff get really popular and like my friends not only enjoying it, but then other people enjoying it. Um, the other big thing was just going to SEMA uh, through Stances Everything was was huge. That's because, so um, cool. Was, sorry, uh, have you gone multiple times or this year? Yeah, or? No, I've gone a couple of times. Oh, wow. Um, and so for that, um, for SEMA, it was it was basically like every car guy wants to go to SEMA. And someone had told me, they're like, oh, you're never going to be able to go unless you, you know a shop. Uh, basically, they said, unless you know a shop. And mm -hmm. I was like, well, I don't know anyone at a shop really well. And I was like, well, maybe I can just become media. And so I became media myself. So yeah. that was a cool accomplishment. Yeah. Um, and then uh, just like people I've met, like coming on this podcast, um, I've met a bunch of people like Jover that, you know, Devo, like yeah, I met yeah. through them all through the blog. Yeah. Um, uh, just a bunch of different car builders I've met along the way um, through just things I've posted. Uh, I had a company reach out to me recently about a theme Tuesday that I did, um, Detroit Steel Wheels, uh, and they really liked it. And so now I'm going to be working with them on my truck. So it's just been like a, a bunch oh, of things cool. that's connected. Yeah, um, yeah. And then now just through uh, putting in work on my site and becoming a better writer and photographer, now I've been able to contribute to other magazines. So it's kind of become like a side hustle. Um, obviously, <laughs> all the money just goes back into cars. So it's not like I'm actually getting ahead, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not getting behind. Um, so that's been the most most fun out of it um and uh you know my wife and now son we we've ended up in places because of it um we got married in vegas actually um which at the time seemed like a really good idea getting married around sema and then your five-year anniversary hits and you can't go to sema uh it's like oh maybe i didn't think this through yeah um it was great for no, the first year yeah no it was it, but it's still great um and uh my wife's probably gonna kill me because of that but um <laughs> And it's just been a really good journey. And every time yeah. I sort of think about like winding it down or stopping, some new opportunity comes up or some new person I meet. Um, I got a really early on, I got to ride with Crazy Leo. Oh, um, cool. Shit, Crazy Leo was supposed he was supposed to be on the show and it just like I was waiting for him. He didn't end up showing and he sent me a text. He's like, Oh yeah, shit, is that supposed to be tonight? Huh. It didn't end up happening. I've got to get him back on though. So yeah. Um, kids, I mean, he's been doing some really cool stuff with that drive tech or is it drive tech? Camp Tech. I can't remember what he's doing he's with got his a driving new, school too. A new school now. Yeah, this yeah. was before his driving school. It was right after he won Tall Pines, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. say 2012, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, and Chris from CSCS hooked that up, and uh, yeah, we went out there uh, to um, to Can Jam, yeah. and uh, he was he was he was there, and he had his car, and he said, you know, do you want to ride? And there was another photographer there, and that photographer declined. And like while he was declining, I was basically buckling myself in the passenger seat. <laughs> like I'm, yeah, I was like, I'm, I'm down. And yeah, uh, he nice. said, let me take you to my test track. And then, and, and I was like, what test track? We're, we're in the can jam. So anyway, he had some train tracks near there. And, you know, we're like top of sixth and he's heading towards train tracks. And I was like, okay, I guess we're jumping the car now. Um, and <laughs> oh, so when that happened, I was like, okay, cool. That wouldn't have never happened if I didn't have this site. So uh, that was just one of the sort of many things that have that have happened since then he may or may not remember that because i think he took he did that to a lot of people i think uh, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, it was a lot of fun it's like that stain in the passenger seat yeah, yeah it's, it's from a lot of people yeah 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 <laughs> um so what would you say are some of the most significant challenges you faced with running the brand because i mean i kind of will allude to it but i mean it's important for everyone to know too that this isn't just this isn't your day-to-day job like i mean yeah. you're you're doing this on top of having a nine to five is that yeah fair no, um 
basically keeping content flowing is hard and just getting harder. Um, the, the, the hurdles that I said before around just the name stance, yeah. uh, has been kind of hard. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, every once in a while, like, you know, I'll, I'll post something or I'll do something and I'll, I'll get some, some blowback from it. Um, people have tried or companies have threatened to sue me twice. No uh, way. Really? For just like random things that I've posted. Um, oh, so a while ago, uh, I don't know if, if you read Jalopnik, there was a core forged. That's uh, a forged wheel company. Okay. Uh, a wheel broke. Um, and uh, they were really on a rampage to get that off of the internet. And I had reposted it. Uh, and they're like, oh, you know, we'll get our legal department. And I was like, no, uh, I'm not going to take this down. And then eventually I spun it and I did like a, a questionnaire with them about it. Um, so that was the <laughs> first time. And then there was somebody else for something. Huh. Um and it's just been like it, it, people will try and pull out lawyers. And so far, I've called bluffs and nothing's ever happened. Mm -hmm. um, so like kind of knock on wood. Yeah, knock um, on wood. Yeah. For sure there. Um, but, you know, I, I think at this point, like I've kind of got my voice. I've got my audience. I'm cool with where it's at. Um, so I'm just sort of sort of going with that. And uh, I really thought um, and I think when I posted this on Instagram, I thought I was going to do career suicide uh, when I wrote that article about um the wheel debate, like replicas versus fakes. Yes. Um, and that is, if there's ever an editorial that was my most popular editorial, it's that one. People, <laughs> excuse me, people refer to that one all the time. Um, and it, it was definitely like, I was like, oh man, if I post this, am I like blackballing myself from the industry? Am I ruining any potential sponsorships or opportunities? Mm -hmm. But uh, you know, it went okay. And a lot of people uh, from different industries reached out to me, different companies. And they're like, we like that you took that. They, they were like, we don't necessarily agree, but we like that you took pretty much a neutral uh, stance on it. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, there's people from Mac and industries commented on it. Um, I got emails from a couple of other people who emailed instead of uh, commenting just to stay a little anonymous. And they're like, you know, it's, it's pretty good. And you like, you touched on a couple of things. Um, and no one, there was no real, like, you were right about this. You were wrong about this. It was just like, <laughs> yeah. this was a well-written piece. So, um, that's, that, that's pretty, been pretty cool. Oh, nice. A little, I mean, getting that kind of recognition is always good. And you know that, you know that it was something good when they don't want to post anything publicly, but they'll send you the email yeah. about it and let you know how good it was. Yeah. Um, cool. Okay. So I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep this going because, um, talking about, um, talking about photography, yep. um, I know that I've got a lot of people that listen, they're really interested in uh, automotive photography. I, I personally am super interested in automotive photography and mm -hmm. I am, if there's a notch below even being a hobbyist as a photographer, I'm that like two notches below that. But I, I, I really enjoy the whole idea of it. Yep. Um, well, and the process of it. So, um, uh, we've already talked about, so it doesn't have anything to do with your day job. Nope. You're not a photographer by trade. Um, now, shooting cars can be incredibly difficult. And in my day job, I get a lot of exposure to that. Um, and we, you know, we search the globe to find the right photographers at the right time for the right yeah. kind of project that we have. And there are a lot of things that come up against a photographer, like just dealing with lighting and reflections, proportions and motion and all of those types of things. Yeah. Um, you know, do you have a typical, uh, do you have a, a favorite kind of um, setting or do you have a, a, a you know, favorite style or typical style that you kind of follow? Um, well, so I'm, I'm, I'm a natural light shooter. I don't know how to light things yet. I want to learn. Mm -hmm. So I haven't had the opportunity to do it. Um, and I typically try and go to like, you know, sort of secluded spots uh, i like doing long shots with sort of nothing in the background mm -hmm. um you know that that one shot as some people might have seen of the world war z camaro to keep going back to that it's like 
secluded seat street in Burlington side shot. I shot it with kind of a long lens. That's kind of my favorite sort of shoot. Mm. And I try and find areas like that where like uh, there's not a lot going on in the background. I can get some trees and stuff so that they don't really take away from the car. Um, but I mean, I'm not a trained photographer in any way. Uh -huh. um, the first event that I shot for Santa's Everything, I borrowed my wife's SLR. Um, <laughs> she's she's actually a photographer, but um, oh no, kidding! Yeah, um, but she shoots complete opposite. So she shoots newborns uh, pretty much predominantly. Oh no way! Uh, and we I've shot a couple of weddings with her and stuff, but um, that's cool. only become after you know years of shooting. Um, reflections can be tough, so that's often it's best to to, to kind of places where there's not a lot of reflections i've definitely done a couple of shoots and been like oh and that was a yellow parking pole i got a clone out of every photo <laughs> um reflections can be tough uh polarizers help a ton for that yeah um and uh location is is huge and location can be definitely challenging uh, i've been kicked out of a couple spots uh so definitely try toronto's hard uh yorkville is super hard um security's on you like immediately um, I try to shoot, I try not to shoot at night just because um, you need more gear, um, tripods and stuff like that, um, and probably lights. Um, and I used to try and shoot like golden hour time. Mm -hmm. uh, now I find myself shooting whenever I get the opportunity, um, just between schedules and stuff and sort yeah. of working with it. Uh, you can make harsh light work. It's just more post um, stuff. Uh, learning how to use Lightroom was probably the biggest leap forward in my photography uh, capabilities. Um, I always was in Photoshop before and people were like, use Lightroom, use Lightroom. And now I use both of them together. And Lightroom is, is pretty awesome. Um, do you often, do you find yourself doing a lot of post-production on your, on your photos? Not as much as I used to. Um, you, just because you shoot I, it in I, camera, you yeah, rather, yeah. I'm a little bit better at getting it right in camera now. And I've also stepped, stepped up to a full frame, which helps. Mm -hmm. Um, the full frame switch I think was last year. So before that I was crop sensor, uh, a T2i, so not even a really expensive camera. Yeah. Um, just like getting pretty good at using uh, like raw in Photoshop at the time and then having a couple of actions and stuff that I sort of pulled together over the years. Um, but yeah, just a lot of practice has kind of contributed to it. A lot of looking at other people's work. Um, I'm part of a group called Automotive Photography Education on Facebook. Oh, okay. Um, so you'll post, like I don't post there a ton, but I post there every now and again and get feedback. Automotive um, Education Automotive photography education. Automotive photography oh. education. Yeah. I check that out. Yeah. Um, it's one of a couple. I hear there's a, a few other ones like secret groups and stuff. They're a little bit harder to get into. Mm -hmm. But I, I someone invited me to that one and uh, it, it's really helped. Um, I don't post my work too, too much, but I read a lot of what people say on there. Uh, and it, it, it does help being around other photographers. Right. I mean, yeah, that's 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 totally it. I mean, if you um, yeah, I find that if if you can surround yourself with great talent. It's inevitable that you'll pick a few great things up. Yeah. So, um, any crazy experiences while you've been shooting cars? Um, no, I've been pretty lucky actually that I haven't had too many crazy experiences. Like, yeah, I've been kicked out of a couple uh, spots. Um, when we were shooting World War Z, I thought that we were going to get kicked out of the neighborhood that we were in because that car is not quiet. Um, <laughs> yeah. But we had more people come by to check it out than actually tell us to, to move it, um, which is pretty cool. Um, I'm just trying to think if I've had any crazy stuff and not really. Um, I've been out of, I've been at a show actually where uh, someone else's drone crashed into a Mercedes. That was kind of crazy. It didn't oh, involve no. me at all, but I've always wondered uh, if that, how often that happens. I've seen it once uh, and it crashed into the C pillar, which is probably the worst spot to be yeah. at. Um, I don't know what ended up happening. That was at 
I'm gonna say Berlin Classic. That was that. Um, and yeah, but for me, there hasn't been too much craziness. Uh, I've been pretty fortunate, actually. It's pretty good news. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I can't think of anything too crazy. So, um, what about other auto photographers? Like, if you had one or two that you would highly recommend that people go check out in terms of the a style that you love or just generally a photographer that you look up to? Um, there's a couple. Uh, so um, Matt Birnes, uh, he's a local guy. He shoots for FAF. Uh, he's been a local guy who I've really always looked up to. He's like their media guy right now. Okay. Um, and uh, he was just always good sort of from the beginning. Um, Chris from Dirty Nails, Bloody Knuckles. He was mm -hmm. a big photographer that I looked up oh to. Oh, my God. Yeah, uh, right, right, right. I don't think he shoots too much anymore. But I remember when his blog came out, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm done. Uh, like, he's just <laughs> so much better than me. But then he kind of moved on to, to automotive illustration. Yeah, um, yeah. And a lot of like livery livery yep um decals and stuff like that too right yeah it's been cool to see him sort of uh um i don't want to say come into his own but like find uh find work in something that he loves to do because i know it's for him it's a passion thing too mm -hmm. um and yeah his livery stuff that he's been doing lately has been really cool um i'm gonna ram i'll, I'll ramble off a couple of local guys first before i go outside of local um, yeah there's art at uh he does the media for vibrant performance Mm -hmm. Um, he's a pretty good photographer too. Another local guy that I was like, man, he's, he's, he's been pretty good. Um, and he did drop culture for a while. He doesn't do it too much anymore, but like just seeing local photographers get better and shooting with them alongside at events has really inspired me to sort of, uh, step my game up a bit. Um, Dan Sear and I go back and forth a lot about, uh, photography, um, cause we were both shooting like projects at the same time and talking about you know, well, shooting welding make us go blind. Mm. Uh, so Dan and I have, have, have <laughs> each uh, helped each other get a little bit better just talking about techniques and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, I've been told that I have to have Dan on the show, so I, 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 I need to do that. Yeah, he's big into airsoft right now. Yeah, um, yeah I follow him on Instagram and I, I, I see all of his airsoft stuff. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, um, I'm probably forgetting a couple of people locally. Um, and Drake and Chris, like I said earlier, the two guys who shoot for me, just like it's always cool shooting a show or a car with another photographer and kind of being like, Oh, why didn't I think of that angle? Or why didn't, uh, like, why, why did they have that creative spot that I didn't, didn't. And that makes me think of someone else actually, uh, Charles Spivak. Uh, he works for Mazda actually. He might be a cool guy to have on the show. Hmm. Um, he shot CSCS for a while and he was one of, um, the guys who sort of, who he helped me, uh, like learn how to work corners and stuff. But then he also, I, he would always kind of like, walk way further out than anyone else and get like really cool angles. Um, mm -hmm. He doesn't really shoot too much anymore, but another local guy that inspired me. And then um, as far as like guys outside of Canada, uh, obviously Larry Chen's been a big uh, influence. Or I don't want to say influence, like someone I look up to. Um, yeah. And I've I mean, met him a couple of times. Still and motion too. I mean, this motion. Yeah. And awesome. film. Yeah. Uh, he's just like, he's just, he's, he's really good. Yeah. Um, there's another dude, uh, Ravi Angard. He's from Florida. Okay. Um, he runs V2 Lab. Um, he does a lot of commercial photography. Um, and this is, you know, almost like anti-performance minded, but he, <laughs> he shot a lot of donks. Mm. Uh, he shot a lot of donks for Ride Magazine. Yeah, and, mean, um, there's a lot to look at. I mean, and photography, I think, is flattering for them. Not yeah. my not my jam necessarily, but... <laughs> uh, yeah, not my jam at all, but um, he's definitely... Uh, Donks are pretty crazy. If, so if you crazy. haven't if you haven't looked at them recently, to anyone listening, uh, there's a couple two J donks out there. Um, 
There's a Z06 powered donk. Uh, That's that the I one that, that you guys were talking about on mm-hmm. the other, um, on the, sorry, our lifestyle podcast. Yeah. And I actually went and checked it out and I watched the video of it. And the, the thing is like taking down other cars. Yeah. It's legitimately uh, fast. Legitimately too. a fast car. Yeah. It's, it's, it's mind crazy blowing. Looking. Um, Not I, at all what I expected. I didn't know about the performance side of donks. I didn't know it existed. Uh, yeah. Until Ravi had shown me that. Yeah. Um, there's another dude, Pepper Yandel, a uh, okay. really good photographer. Um, he does a lot of commercial photography. Uh, it's weird because like I don't do commercial photography myself and it's kind of really not something I can afford to get into because you do need a lot of lighting and yeah, ton of gear, right? Gear for that. Yeah. Um, but I really do like the work of a lot of commercial photographers. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the guys that I can remember right now uh, that I look up to as far as a photography standpoint. Nice. Well, thanks for going through those and anybody listening, you'll have to check them out. Um, nice thing is with Instagram these days, it's pretty easy to stay, um, uh, up to speed with what everybody's, whatever everybody's doing out there. Um, highly recommend everyone check them out. And, um, what we'll do is when I post the episode, um, I will try to, um, I'll try to link to everybody as well. So everybody can get a nice, easy follow. Yeah. Okay. So these are going to be a little bit more rapid fire because we are, um, we're running into the kind of the, the last few minutes of the show here. And I know that we could probably do an entire show on Project Why Wait. Yep. But why don't you give us the Coles notes on what Project Why Wait is all about? Uh, Project Why Wait is my 51 GMC. Um, Coles notes is it's going to be a bag truck with a 4.8 LS in it. Um, and yeah, the reason it's called Project Why Wait is because my wife was basically, uh, she's like, I, I want to get a project, you know down the road and she's like why wait just get it now and uh oh, that's so awesome yeah so that's why it's called that um and you know i've got a couple of people on board helping me out with that um i'll just give them a quick shout out performance improvements tailored customs um stripping tech mm-hmm. uh, a bunch of guys uh detroit steel wheels i just mentioned they'll be coming on pretty soon uh lang speed shop which is a shop out in uh alberta is getting me some firewall fillers uh, it's been a really cool project and that's sort of my first real ground up build um which has been really cool uh having people reach out after i post stuff and just saying how inspiring it is uh that basically i went from a guy who was like a bolt-on guy to now doing something the from, full from build the ground guy. up yeah um i picked the chassis up from a friend of mine uh, jeff Weibrow. Uh, i just like to say that so people don't think i built it but um it was a great starting point it was no by no means finished when i got it but it was a really good head start and uh it'll hopefully be moving by its own power at the end of this summer but we'll see where that goes oh that's so awesome and i mean obviously when everybody um you know tunes in <laughs> we can check out um stanceseverything.com you've already started to chronicle the build and yep. all the parts and all the labor of course that goes into that all the love yeah um so so definitely stay tuned um for everything that's coming from project why wait on stanceseverything.com um this is the this is the question that I like to uh, I like to ask um, often. Actually, no, I'm going to go back one. Sure. Um, super quick. So this is this is just a. You can even give me a, a one word or a two word answer on this. If you had fifteen thousand dollars to start a project with, what would you buy tomorrow? Uh, yeah, I've been thinking about that since you kind of primed me on it earlier, <laughs> um, and it would probably be uh, another first gen blazer. Uh, but it would be completely different than my last idea of a first end brazer. Mm-hmm. So uh, just think like similar sort of target truck. So like um, four link coils in the back, uh, coilovers in the front, LS under the hood, like a like a like a, a road car. Um, 
There's this guy, Butch King. He built one a while ago, a hill climb blazer, and it's ridiculous. Uh, I'll show you the video sort of once we get off of this. Yeah. And it's kind of changed how I want to build a first-gen blazer. Oh, crazy. Yeah. I grew up with a guy who had a, I want to say, I've got to look at the at the photos of what first and second-gen blazers look like because I'm not sure if it was first or second. The no. first or the square ones. Okay, so it was first-gen. Yep. So it was first-gen, two-door, stick, red, super dark, black tint, at crazy exhaust. The guy who came from a... Uh, he came from an oval track racing family. Yeah, yeah. And so this thing was it was a total sleeper, realistically, other than when you fired it up. And um I have a lot of fond memories of it. So I want to see this because I I yeah. completely relate to it. Um also another quick question, because you know, you could go into this and spend an entire show on it, but I'd like to talk about the future of automotive because, I mean, I don't feel like we're necessarily old men yeah. uh, at the ages that we are at at this point. But at the same time, there's a lot of speculation um, and a lot of Internet nonsense talking about the youth not being interested in cars anymore, um, not necessarily buying cars. Uh, there is some data to support some of these arguments. But mm -hmm. um, what's your take on it? I mean, with Stance is Everything and all the involvement you have with all of the events and all of the people that you encounter, do you really feel kind of anecdotally that that the youth really aren't interested in cars anymore? Uh, I think it's regional. Um, so if you were to ask me if the youth in like, uh, let's say, oh, I live in like Durham now, so Whitby, we're not in the cars or Mississauga. Um, I'd say that they are still into cars. But if you were to ask me about people living like downtown, mm -hmm. uh, I'd say they're probably not. Yeah. Um, so it definitely depends sort of where you're from. It also depends on like who your influences are. If your parents are in the car, if your parents have a car. Um, but definitely I think that, uh, it's going to change. I think the people who are going to be into it are going to be more into it because you're going to have to kind of look for it and look for other enthusiasts. Mm -hmm. Uh, but just with the idea that like there's less magazines, um, I can't think of a TV show with like a star car, uh, these days, which was a big influence on myself. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think it'll be different and it'll be a little bit harder, uh, for people to get into it, but I don't think it's going to go away. Yeah. Um, and I think that uh, it'll sort of be like on us and on the people who are into it now to sort of pass it down and make it not only uh, seem cool, but approachable. Because um, there's nothing worse than finding something new uh, and then people being dicks about it uh, for no reason, just because you don't know anything. Um, and I understand that, you know, some people don't like being asked the same questions over and over. But uh, with like forums being pretty much gone and... Um, just things changing. We're going to have to be more receptive to people asking the dumb questions and over and over and over and just trying to convert these people into lifelong enthusiasts. Yeah, totally. Yeah. We have to be the, the stewards that guide everybody through those dumb questions about should I get a cold air intake yeah. or should I do? Yeah. We, we all know the different questions. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I, I like to think too that in the kind of metro areas just because of utility yeah everyone is going to have easier access to ride sharing or autonomous ride sharing um you know we will probably be able to use uber just as easily um for a vehicle that we now get to pick no matter what no matter when um, as a part of a co-ownership program yeah all of those things will work and you know what in the city there isn't, I don't get a ton of joy of driving around downtown in, you know, in just stop and go traffic when sure there's a certain amount of just, you know, that is ingrained in me of loving being in a car in the downtown core. Yeah. But I think for 98% of the people that are down here, it's just utilitarian and that's totally fine with me. And I think you've, you've really explained it well in terms of the regionality of it, that 
once you get outside of the city, there's a certain necessity for a vehicle. Yeah. And when you've got that, there's generally going to be more interest in what that mode of transportation happens to be. So I think there's some life still in that. And I also think that as more people are using autonomous cars or ride sharing or whatever ends up happening, it's going to leave all the roads that they don't want to use that aren't, you know, the most direct routes open for us to be able to drive on and have some fun on. So um, anyways, okay. So lastly, uh, 2018, what does 2018 have in store for Stances Everything? Uh, 2018, hopefully, is going to be a lot of stuff about my truck. Uh, I want to get going on that pretty good, and I'm at a pretty good spot to, to, to do <laughs> a lot uh, to it. Um, and then I'm going to go to, uh, there's more events, and there's a bunch of different cars in the area that I sort of want to feature. Um, and it's going to be sort of uh, kind of anyone who's been reading sort of the last couple of years has noticed that I've kind of scaled down the number of events that I go to, but I try and make the variety uh, up a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely a couple of events that I haven't been to that I want to go to. Um, and there's some new events that I've been invited to. So there's a new one driven. Uh, it's kind of their first time in Toronto. I'm going to go to that. Uh, Naki Sand from RWV is going to be there. So we'll see how that's going awesome. goes. Wow. Um, and then uh, I'm actually the official photographer of Northern Showdown this year, which is a mini trucking show um, that I've been covering. Um, so there's a bunch of different events that I want to go to. I'm going to go to lower Drift rider Jam. events. Uh, yeah, Drift Jam. Uh, <laughs> Devo and I have been going back and forth about that quite a bit, actually. Nice. Um, I got a lot of respect for Devo. Um, I kind of like what he's doing yeah. uh, with everything. And just the, the way that he's uh, sort of uh, harnessed his passion has been... I, I see a lot of similarities in sort of his path and my path. Um, and like we both... like. He doesn't ride anymore, but like I still ride BMX. He used to ride BMX. So like we're kind of uh, really similar guys and he's definitely putting a lot of uh, lot of heart into it. So uh, I wish him all the best there. Um, and then, you know, every year I kind of talk like, oh, maybe I'll do a, a YouTube video or a YouTube channel. That's probably not going to happen to be perfectly honest. But I want to do a little bit more with Instagram and like live video and maybe do some some live things there where people can ask me questions about the site, the truck. Cool. Yeah. Uh, anything that they think I might be hiding or, you know, <laughs> not showing on the truck. I'll, I'll show them there. Yeah. Um, show them my two car garage full of partially my truck and family stuff. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> that's kind that. of where I think I'm going to go with that um, right now. And then I've got a couple personally, uh, a couple different media outlets that I'm going to be contributing to and try and tie that in. Um, but uh, I'll reveal a bit more about that uh, a bit later, sort of once it firms up a bit. Cool. Yeah. I like it. And we'll obviously be able to find all about it on stanceseverything.com. Yep. Stance Everything will still be, you know, my home, my main place. Uh, there's a couple of editorials that um, I want to touch on too. That uh, there's anyone who's read my editorials knows that like no topic is sort of out of bounds as long as I'm willing to take the heat for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and there's a couple, a couple of things left for me to say. So I'm going to keep doing that. Nice. I like it. Awesome. Okay. Well, that's about it for episode 40 uh, with Dave Thomas. So thanks so much for hanging out with me tonight, Dave. Really appreciate it. Um, I'm super stoked on what you're doing. Uh, Like I said before, ton of respect for what you're doing, both photography, editorial, the brand, how you're, you know, pushing. We're both being, and I I hope all of us will be that are listening stewards to help keep automotive enthusiasm as, uh, as prevalent and hopefully uh, as uh, as present in all of our lives as uh, as it will be in all of the whoever all the the new young ones are that are coming up and and seeing all this cool stuff and realizing that they can build and customize and be part of this car culture the way that we've always been I guess or we've grown to be yeah um so yeah so um thank you all for listening please do subscribe rate review the show um, I want to keep making content for you guys so help me out. 
Um, if you aren't already, um, follow The Bucket Seat on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. It's all at The Bucket Seat. Or if you want to get in touch with me, just email me at trevor at thebucketseat.ca. So like I said, this has been episode 40 of The Bucket Seat Podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Byrne. Thank you and stay tuned.